0: This is Lewis Lapham for Lapham's Quarterly, and this is The World in Time. Lead support for this podcast has been provided by Elizabeth Lizette Prince. Additional support was provided by James J. Jimmy Coleman, Jr. I'm speaking today with the Pulitzer Prize-winning historian David Levering Lewis. We spoke before a live audience in the Celeste Bartos Auditorium at the New York Public Library on September 20th, 2018. My thanks to the New York Public Library for making our conversation possible. Well, it's, I hope it's going to be fun. This is a marvelous book, and David Louis is a marvelous writer. The book that he's going to talk about is is called "The Improbable Wendell Wilkie: The Businessman Who Saved the Republican Party and His Country and Conceived a New World Order." David is a prize-winning historian, Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, and I can remember ten years ago, David, we, we, we on this same podcast we discussed his last book, which was called "God's." Crucible, Islam and Making of Europe, 570-1215. With this book, he gives us the presence of Wendell Wilkie and Wilkie's meteoric passage across the American political sky in the years 1939-1944. He ran as the Republican candidate against Roosevelt in 1940. And this is the same year, uh, 1940, that the British evacuate Dunkirk and the Blitz is heavily in force o- over London. And it's, Roosevelt later said that had it not been for Wilkie, the, the Republican Party would have prevented America from coming to the aid of Britain with the probable result that Western civilization would have been lost to uh, Nazi Germany. But Wilkie managed to outwit the isolationist leadership of the Republican Party, including at that time, Herbert Hoover, Robert Taft, Arthur Vandenberg, and the very strong America First uh, contingent, which included Lindbergh, Robert Hutchins, Colonel McCormick, even E.E. E. Cummings. There was a strong America First sentiment in, in the country in the late 30s. Uh, determined to keep America out of the war but before we get to those transformative years 1939 1944 which I hope we will spend most of this conversation in, in that time zone but before we get there David tell us whence cometh Wendell Wilkie. I mean, where is he born? What is his youth? What is his early career? What kind of a person is he? What does he look like? I mean, bring him into into view.
1: All of the above. Uh, Wendell has an interesting uh, political genealogy. Uh, They were 48ers, that is to say, his family prided itself on its uh, standing uh, athwart the uh, advance of uh, Bismarckian authoritarianism in their Germany in Saxony and in 1848 the family story was that an ancestor (coughs) stood uh, with the barricades uh, against uh, the uh, the, the crown prince who who, uh, massacred uh, protesting students. I, I think that's not quite the case. But in any case, the Wilkes did leave Germany in uh, in 1858, uh, and uh, they brought with them uh, that uh, horror of imperialism uh, and of autocracy uh, and of militarism. Uh, and so, the young Wilkie, born in the month of February uh, 1892, his uh, earliest uh, sounds and memories were uh, of his father talking about liberty and democracy. And as he grew in his early years, uh, he uh, he had the memory of uh, his father uh, rewriting Uh, Kipling's uh, famous line about uh, picking up the white man's burden, Uh, and they would say, put it down and put down empire. Soon, um, they were uh, committed uh, William Jennings Bryan uh, advocates, and one uh, uh, vivid memory is of Uh, Brian on his second attempt to capture the presidency, spending the night in uh, in, uh, Elwood, uh, Indiana, the little town uh, where the Wilkies uh, uh, settled, Uh, (coughs) and a debate about uh, the annexation uh, of the Philippines uh, and uh, the uh, acquisition of Puerto Rico and his father saying these were not the things to do, and Bryan rather torn between his conception of good empire and uh, bad empire. To to run the real uh, faster, uh, Wendell, uh, after some service in World War One, uh, arriving just as the guns fell silent on the Western Front, uh, returned to Elwood, where he would practice law with his mother and father. Uh, Interestingly, uh, the mother was one of the first women in Indiana to uh, pass the the bar and to practice.
0: But Uh, he had also, before that time, graduated from Indiana Law School where he's first in his class. He's a a brilliant student.
1: He had to do that. That's quite true. Uh, Both as an undergraduate, he was stellar. Uh, In fact, uh, he uh, he, alimented the curriculum rather interestingly. He wanted to know more about Marxism and socialism and so he campaigned for such a course uh, uh, offering and uh, he was told if you can have 10 subscribers and we'll lay on such course. He, he got the subscribers, he did. He said later that uh, if a, uh, a man is not a socialist when he's a young person uh, then he has no heart, and if he's still a socialist in his maturity, then of course he has no head. Uh, so uh, Wendell was flexible and open, as it were, to challenges, intellectual uh, and otherwise. Uh, yes, the, the law degree came, it was stellar. Unfortunately for him, he almost would not have received it because uh, he was <clears throat> probably uh, following very closely, uh, uh, Wendell, um, Wendell uh, Woodrow Wilson's uh, campaign for his re-election, uh, and uh, he thought that the New Freedom uh, entailed all the good things about America uh, that he should uh, he should help uh, um, um, channel in uh, Indiana. And his speech was so radical that the trustees uh, and the visiting members of the uh, Indiana Supreme Court said, this man can't represent us. Uh, there was a, a great, uh, a great uh, controversy there. He was awarded uh, his degree uh, and uh, uh, went off uh, to uh, World War I. Returning, his mother said, you don't want to practice so here in El- Elwood. You need a larger canvas. Uh, on which to paint your life, and uh, he ended up working for Harvey Firestone in uh, uh, in Akron, Ohio. And uh, there, uh, though this was in those days perhaps the epicenter of isolationism, of, uh, of uh, uh, regret uh, for uh, our involvement in the First World War and the League of Nations, uh, there was of course uh, a governor uh, who was a devotee of Woodrow Wilson, who lay, of course, uh, uh, paralyzed uh, in the White House from his efforts to save his dream of the League. <laughs> and Governor Cox uh, and uh, a man who would figure largely in Wendell's life, the young Franklin Roosevelt, uh, ran in 1920 uh, on the Democrat ticket. Uh, to save uh, the League as well as to save the uh, accomplishments of the new freedom. Um, Of course, they they failed. Uh, We had normalcy with with Harding. But that was the first convention that uh, Wendell uh, attended, uh, working for Harvey Firestone. Uh, That uh, relationship soon soured and he uh, went to another law firm and attracted a great deal of attention as a stellar advocate. So much so that as he joined boards, uh, one board, Ohio Power and Light, uh, attracted the attention of a figure who should loom large in America for his accomplishments, but I'm afraid has only a decommissioned power plant in, uh, uh, in uh, 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 Illinois. Uh, bearing his name. Uh, he was the uh, f- uh, founder of something that became Commonwealth and Southern, perhaps the third largest uh, electrician. Uh, you,
0: you, you're referring to Samuel Unsel? No. No. Okay.
1: No, 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 no. no. Uh, the, the, there is, in fact, a confusion there. Uh, Insul's was. Uh, also, Commonwealth and Edison. This ah. was Commonwealth and Southern, but the point is that, uh, there's the good utilities man, magnate, and there's the, uh, there is the one to be reproached, and insult certainly so. But just to put uh, Wendell there, uh, as, uh, uh, attracting the attention of the founder of Commonwealth and Southern. He was reeled into New York to 1010, uh, Fifth Avenue at a salary that was really Quite, quite uh, uh, large, hefty, uh, as its uh, leading attorney. The depression. But but, but this
0: is—he's a Hoosier, Indiana, uh, Will Rogers-like figure, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and he suddenly. He's got an apartment on Fifth Avenue and an office on Wall Street. There we go. Pine
1: Street, to yeah, be, to be Street, exact. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, the texture of, of this Hoosier uh, is, I think, uh, given in the fact that uh, when they moved into 1010 Fifth Avenue, uh, Wilkie never locked the door uh, because they didn't do that in Elwood. And as he walked to Wall Street, uh, he was rather puzzle that he didn't see anybody he knew and so he would stop people and sort of greet them and that sort of thing. So this aw oh, shucks, uh, Will Roger-ish uh, demeanor indeed uh, was, uh, uh, it would have seemed out of place. Uh, in fact it was a benefit to him. Um, so there he is uh, uh, running this uh, uh, large uh, uh, utility uh, corporation or holding company uh, as the Depression sweeps across America. Uh, the man who founded Commonwealth and Southern retreated into the shadows concerned about investigations for uh, abuses of holding company uh, activities and that sort of thing, and Wendell took over it. Insul, the, the name you just mentioned, was uh, an incredible figure. He, uh, uh, His holding companies, I think, lit up about 80 percent of the American utility electric usage. And with the collapse of the economy and the election of Franklin Roosevelt, in consequence, the question was, what about strategy? Are we going to be regulated? Are we going to be investigated? Um, because of the abuses of, uh, of, of our industry, uh, uh, what to do. And Wilkie uh, attended, um, brand new in his august role, uh, and Sam Insull said, we're going to stand tall. We're not going to be intimidated. Uh, we're so important to the economy that uh, Roosevelt will understand uh, our value and our force. It but but caused- the form of
0: the holding company is deeply corrupt.
1: Say that again, I mean, the
0: holding company is is a corrupt uh, the, the
1: holding company yeah. is an American invention. I is see. it not okay. uh, <laughs> out of, uh, out of New Jersey, uh, in which the uh, the, um, the octopus of the holding company, as it hmm. assembles and uh, envelops uh, other uh, other, uh, other businesses. Uh, performs miracles of accountancy uh, so that uh, it's very difficult to know uh, what the benefit of the company is saved to Wall Street and to the holding company founders. Uh, Wendell said, look, let's simply say that if we run our business uh, transparently, uh, efficiently and honestly, why we have little to fear. Insull famously said, Mr. Wilkie, you're a young man. You have much uh, to learn. Uh, And and so he would, because uh, one of the first campaign issues of Franklin Roosevelt, after saying that we had nothing to fear but fear itself, was to say, we do have to fear the holding companies, the utility (laughs) industries. And Insull, he campaigned on. Uh, he had for his election, uh, insul was the Ishmael of the American economy, and he represented the exploitation and manipulations uh, of uh, of the holding company um, cadre uh, <coughs> I think little was paid attention to of uh, roosevelt 's uh, denunciations of the the utilities industry. I think it was thought this was a ca- this was a campaign. Uh, uh, rhetoric and uh, campaign rhetoric was simply that. Uh, but in fact, uh, the first uh, major uh, issuance of the uh, Hundred Days was uh, the creation of the Tennessee Valley Authority, uh, which would uh, operate uh, in the uh, uh, Delta, Mississippi Delta, where Commonwealth and Southern existed and had uh, rather efficiently provided uh, cheap or reasonable electricity uh, uh, to Tennessee, uh, to Georgia, uh, to uh, Florida, uh, to North Carolina. <clears throat> um, and there really the story begins because when Wilkie was informed that uh, Tennessee Valley, uh, would not observe any jurisdictional limitations uh, became the uh, the the leader uh, of the uh, opposition to the that industry's opposition uh, to uh, uh, t v a what 's interesting about uh, the uh, the story is that uh, for from nineteen thirty three to nineteen thirty nine there would be this tumultuous Uh, adversarial relationship between Wilkie and Roosevelt around the issue of the rights of Commonwealth and Southern to exist, which a combat which was totally, totally unnecessary. When uh, TVA was uh, assembled and the three uh, directors, uh, Morgan, Edward Morgan, uh, and another Morgan, and then David Lilienthal, uh, Morgan, the uh, famous uh, um, engineer who had uh, uh, drained uh, uh, estuaries uh, across the country, when he was presided, pr- persuaded by Franklin Roosevelt to become the head, the senior head of uh, TVA, was assured there was there was no politics in this. And so, when he met Wilkie, uh, he and Wilkie both agreed that since Wilkie's firm existed uh, and the dams that would power uh, the electricity uh, financed by the government um, uh, were underway, it made good sense to collaborate. uh, That for a period of time, uh, the power uh, that uh, was transmitted by the very small uh, Wilson Dam would be carried by uh, by uh, Commonwealth and Southern. Uh, that was unacceptable uh, and uh, so we have a combat that uh, is finally resolved in 1939 as Wendell uh, becomes rather famous in his uh, uh, opposition to uh, Roosevelt's
0: uh His opposition to the TVA and his opposition his... Is trying to find a fair rate
1: Is, and of course the argument was simply that there could be no fair relationship uh, in which uh, the uh, taxpayer's dollar determined uh, the size or the cost of the rate uh, it was not a matter of a market it was a matter uh, of uh, of uh, the, uh, the the government's uh, um, um, the government's support um, uh, Wilkie, um, in doing so, um, uh, was discovered uh, by um, the uh, loose empire as a man who could articulate the rights of industry uh, and business not to, to be steamrollered by uh, the New Deal. Uh, and uh, in various, uh, various, um, uh, Articles written by him, uh, "The New Fear," for example, uh, which lampooned, of course, the uh, admonition of Roosevelt that we had nothing to fear. Yes, we do. The fear today is the fear from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, Brace up, America! Another uh, punchy punchy piece in which uh, he evoked the Jeffersonian. Uh, heartstrings of Americans who did believe that a certain balance was uh, required. I mean, his
0: his motto was freedom, religion, and free enterprise. And without free enterprise, you don't have freedom.
1: That's exactly right, Uh, though uh, religion for Wilkie was uh, perhaps something that uh, was an argument rather than uh, a profession or or a concession, you might say. But that,
0: um, you know, that the American democracy has a moral component.
1: I think that would be fair to say. Um, and that is to say, um, if uh, business should be reproached for uh, its successes indeed. Uh, but uh, as he saw it as the 30s went on, it was government uh, that was excessive and the imperial presidency of FDR uh, and the uh, the um, the al- alphabetical soup uh, of new deal agencies uh, uh, in invading uh, the air- the areas of of, uh, of, uh, of uh, profit and uh, of uh, enterprise uh, were um, um, not not to be not to be sacrificed. By,
0: so by 1939, Wilkie has become a visible figure, voice on the, in the American political landscape. And how does he, he's a Democrat, but how is he brought on board as the Republican candidate in the election of 1940? Ex- explain that.
1: You wouldn't have thought that would happen as Wilkie, a uh, brought up uh, admiring uh, uh, William Jennings <laughs> Bryan, uh, a family that uh, had been Silver Democrats, and indeed he was at the 1920 convention uh, in which he had participated. All of that <clears throat> was very much part of his, uh, his political uh, DNA. Um, but, <clears throat> In fact, he said in 1936 when he did vote for Alf Landon uh, as uh, Democrats for Republicans uh, that he was a Democrat uh, all of his life, and now the first time a Democrat in the White House uh, is one that uh, uh, he would rue the presence of. Uh, Democrat, yes, but because of the contest between uh, Commonwealth and Southern and TVA and the attention that uh, his eloquence uh, garnered, uh, and the increasing support and notice of large newspapers uh, and the loose empire, uh, and, uh, the well, well, and the well, also
0: the New York Herald Tribune, which is possibly a more influential paper at the time than the Times, and, mean, and he has the backing of Dorothy Thompson and well, Walter Lippmann. I mean, he's 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 attracted the, the uh, or he's become attractive too. The what you would call the eastern establishment. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's true that uh, the uh, the Herald Tribune had more uh, of a business impact than the uh, New York Times uh, uh, in in those days. Um, well, uh, the uh, ability to articulate a cause that business had rights, a responsible business needed uh, uh, some uh, latitude within the economy, uh, um, resulted in these uh, uh, speeches and articles that he wrote, and that he wrote with the assistance of a quite remarkable woman, Erita van Doren, the uh, 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 the, the lead uh, literary editor of uh, the Herald Tribune. Uh, she had uh, famously been uh, the wife of the famous uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, Carl uh, Van Doren, uh, and uh, she um, was quite a, a force in uh, the cultural role. Uh, Sphere of the city, they met in 1939, 1937, I believe, uh, at a party given by uh, Dorothy Thompson uh, and her then uh, their then uh, husband, uh, the first uh, Nobel Literature Prize winner, um, Sinclair Lewis. Sinclair Lewis. Um, He uh, it, it seems to have been electric. The, the meeting. Uh, but it's also true that uh, she, <clears throat> as one of her daughters uh, said to me, uh, she reformed uh, his uh, lousy uh, prose. Uh, she uh, introduced him to those uh, uh, dinner parties uh, in, the, in the silk stocking uh, area of uh, the city and to uh, the um, Uh, The uh, Algonquin and such places and soon uh, Wendell fancied himself a bit of a wordsmith. He even reviewed two very interesting books for the Herald Tribune, beautifully written and subtly so uh, and I think it's clear that the assistance and input of Rita uh, was decisive. Uh, but what was more important is that he began to think uh, spaciously and he began to think eloquently uh, and uh, he began to read um, 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 uh, omniciously uh, so that as he moved about the firmament of uh, business and culture and politics he became uh, a more rounded and uh, uh, and cosmopolitan uh, figure all of that uh, attractive and so with a kind of uh, con- convergence of causes, uh, he becomes uh, someone the Republican Party uh, or part of the Republican Party thinks uh, would be uh, of service to it. David,
0: <clears throat> I've been informed I'm already running out of time, <laughs> so, oh, sure. well, so we have to get very quickly to to the election of 1940. and the sentiment in the country to stay out of the war in Europe and Wilkie supporting the destroyer deal with the British and and the Selective Service Act
1: yes well let's just trip through that very quickly and say uh, that uh, that um, Wilkie had to change his registration uh, he did and uh, thanks to the um, newspaper uh, <clears throat> Uh, that favored him greatly. Uh, he appears uh, in, as I call it, the Philadelphia story chapter. He appears in Philadelphia for the 1940 uh, Republican convention. Um, uh, I, it, however, the thing seems to have been a, 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 mis- a, a miracle dis- and so described. But in fact, a small... Uh, wedge of the Republican Party, in internationalist banking to a great degree, uh, also uh, Jewish to uh, an important degree, people who were seeing what was uh, afoot in Europe and the consequences of a Hitlerian um, uh, dominance. Uh, those people uh, wondered where where on earth the party could find a candidate. Uh, uh, alert to those dangers and at the same time, uh, who could, uh, trend triangulate the New Deal and, and business. Where's the message? Who can do this? Uh, and it was, uh, a small group of people uh, described, I think, rather profiled rather well in the book, uh, who, uh, engineered the discovery of Wendell Wilkie, uh, and his, uh, his re his registration as a Republican. The convention, Gore Vidal described it uh, uh, vividly, he was then 17 years old, it was his first convention, and he looked up uh, in, at the balcony there uh, and uh, uh, marveled that the noises coming from it were determining, indeed, the decisions on the floor. And that was because of the remarkable, uh, remarkable mobilization of the Ivy League, uh, on behalf of Wendell Wilkie, thanks to uh, the, uh, the grand-nephew of Oren of, uh, Root, uh, the Secretary of Defense and State for both Roosevelt and McKinley. And uh, that grand-nephew wrote an interesting manifesto in which he summoned all the graduates of Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and the rest uh, to Uh, To the balcony
0: in in Philadelphia.
1: Well, they're going to get to that balcony and so you have this remarkable uh, uh, response of hundreds of thousands of people, not all, of course, the graduates, but uh, influenced by that culture. And uh, the tickets uh, in the balcony were distributed at something like a nine-to-one ratio in favor of what were called Oren Roots boys. Uh, And uh, the death The death of the the campaign manager, uh, the convention manager, some think mysteriously, uh, too propitiously. He had been in fine health, but he was a Taft man, and when he dropped dead, uh, a Wendell Wilkie advocate, Sam Pryor, who went on to be vice president of Pan American, uh, became the manager uh, of the convention. And the keys of the convention, as H.L. Mencken said, were in that man's pockets. And so, uh, Wilkie seizes on the fifth uh, ballot uh, the...
0: We are now down, David, to five minutes.
1: (laughs) So, he loses
0: the election.
1: He does lose the election. And in losing the election, he makes uh, a a speech that uh, was extraordinary on Armistice Day uh... in which he says that uh... the loyal opposition is a concept that we must abide by and that is that a great party is a party that must be a collaborative party, not uh, an opposition for the sake of opposition uh... but for the sake of uh... consensus and uh... balance and of control uh... the loyal opposition concept of course uh, if anybody reads Wilkie's words, then would uh, say, we are a far cry from even the possibility uh, of, of such a ph- political phenomenon today.
0: Roosevelt, after uh, Wilkie dies in 1944, says that he was a godsend, and that, that Claire Bluth Luce compared, compared him to a global Abe
1: Lincoln. Uh, at that point, she did. She was to change her mind and say that this man was guilty of global only. Uh But but that, he sub-
0: after he lost the election, he supported uh, Roosevelt's internationalism in the in the years 1940. 24.
1: In a remarkable way, first uh, visit to England to inform himself as the uh, Stukas and the uh, the, the Messerschmitts uh, uh, hovered above. Uh, he came back uh, to speak uh, to the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee uh, in its its vote uh, on uh, uh, on um, uh, uh, uh dragging his party along. In fact, they never voted in large numbers, but just enough were peeled off uh, by his advocates in the House and the Senate, and enough he was and he would say enough about the importance uh, of uh, uh, of being uh, supportive of roosevelt's uh, defense policies that the public republican as well believed that that was in fact uh, the uh, the uh, the sentiment uh, of of the of the party um, and
0: then he made a world tour right he did uh,
1: famously so famous famous
0: 1942
1: it was 1942, August 6th of 1942, and he arrives back in the United States in, uh, in uh, Wisconsin uh, on the 14th of October, having uh, flown around the globe as no one had done before. Uh, and
0: visited something like 12 countries. He talked to people in Egypt, Palestine, Baghdad, Stalin. Madame Chang Chai shek and King was an extraordinary. And you describe it beautifully. I mean, I wish we had more time, but, but we I hope somebody asks him a question. Uh,
1: well, uh, let me just say that quickly out of that, yes, I, uh, uh, out of that came a book uh, uh, describing the importance of his uh, circumnavigation, uh, One World, uh, which uh, sold uh, fabulously well, in fact, uh, set all sorts of records. And it seems to be the importance of that book, even though to read today you would say, well, it's a bit hokey and uh, it's time-bound, to be sure. But uh, at the time, uh, it was, it seems to be, the document that announced to Americans that the privilege of their innocence uh, was coming to an end and that the world that they were going to inherit uh, was a world that demanded of them a character and a kind of Wilsonian vision still uh, that would... uh, would be a benefit, Uh, that what the war was about was the Atlantic Charter, what the war was about was the the diminution or the end of empire, it was democracy, and uh, that uh, went well with the reading public. Uh, With his party, however, it was, as I say, uh, translated uh, on the part of uh, uh, of Claire Booth Luce, who had been an advocate but had changed her mind, as globaloney, and so the party, uh, the, the 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 party nobles, the old guard, decided that uh, Wendell's utility uh, was, uh, and, and
0: set the course after 1947-48 uh, uh, of a more imperial American foreign policy.
1: And that's the irony, that it's not Wendell Willkie's view of one world. No, it's not, but it was or, the Henry Luce view. Uh, and it's not uh, Henry Wallace's view no. of the common man. No, it's Henry Luce. And so empire wins, but at the same time, you do have a party uh, that, as Roosevelt said, uh, was driven, dragged into supporting uh, a united front uh, that, of course, led to uh, the defeat of Nazism, uh, and to some understanding uh, of uh, of the complexity of of uh, the, the uh, post war
0: world last question you, you, you i mean uh, i 'm sorry we don 't have enough time to listen to, to david' speak at length it 's a truly wonderful book and full of detail and and the portrait that you draw of Wilkie is that of a man who was described by uh one of Roosevelt's biographers as a man who ate too much, drank too much, smoked too much, and loved too much.
1: That's a wonderful judgment by a uh, by the historian of Eleanor Roosevelt, Blanche Weeson Cook, and you couldn't have found But where
0: where where is his like today? I mean we we are in a similar mess. and uh, are, I mean, the, I think the, the Democrats might think about nominating a Republican for the... the well,
1: <laughs> and I, I think there is a Republican, uh, perhaps, who might uh, fit that bill. Uh, but um, I, uh, uh, I, I think one thing we might do, uh, Wiltie lives with us. His likeness is just on a wall outside. Uh, the the building that uh, was named for him just uh, uh, on 40th Street uh, that housed the national headquarters of the NAACP and Freedom House was destroyed in the dead of night by a, a developer, uh, but what was saved uh, was uh, the uh, plaque uh, designed, uh, sculpted for him, and it is uh, here begrimed. Uh, on the wall of the New York Public Library perhaps a, uh, a an appropriate uh, a memento of his extraordinary contributions to uh, his country uh, and uh, uh, the uh, the decency of his public protests
0: all right i mean do you do you want to take it for set it up for questions Hello. Uh, I used to work in the Wendell Wilkie building 40 years ago, and it's sad that it was destroyed. But I wanted to ask you about, given uh, Wilkie's fascination with Marxism, what his attitude was towards Soviet Russia, towards Lenin and Stalin. You mentioned he visited Stalin, and how that affected his own definition of freedom. Did he just focus on free enterprise, or did he have a Uh, larger
1: definition. Yes, the the, um, interaction with with Joseph Stalin is is an interesting one. Uh, Wilkie, as guest of uh, the uh, Russians, uh, debated the uh, values of uh, capitalism at the drop of a hat with Russians and indeed uh, with Stalin. Uh, He was indulged, I suppose. Uh, He just said, "You, you people, you can't be free Uh, uh, unless you have the right to say things to your government and what have you. Uh, It was an American spiel. However, he was impressed by, because after all, America had gone into a depression, the Russians had not. And so he was impressed by the scale uh, of industrial growth, uh, the agricultural Uh, Development, mind you, he knew that the collectivization had been brutal, Uh, but he was honest enough to want to appreciate why the Russian people thought that their experiment uh, was of great value and uh, and benefit. Um, I I think that in that way, uh, he and FDR were uh, uh, much 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 closer in their. understanding or misunderstanding uh, of what uh, would be required uh, when uh, uh, World War II ended and that was that it would be possible to work with the Russians uh, that uh, uh, the systems uh, though antagonistic uh, were not like antimatter Uh, And Wilkie's had Wilkie lived, it would have been interesting and invaluable to see a man who had debated Stalin, who had taken Stalin's desires back to his inventory of what was needed since we were not going to live up to uh, our promised second front uh, for quite some time. Uh, He took back the concessions that Stalin was prepared to make who had said, Stalin had said, we Russians will take care of the Germans if you give us what we need. And Wilkie, who had been sent on this mission, was startled to find that uh, the Second Front was not to happen in 1942 or 1943, but in late 1944. Uh, So we have someone uh, whose (coughs) hands-on interaction with de Gaulle, Uh, with Stalin, Uh, with uh, 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 Mao Zedong's man in uh, Kuomintang, China, Zhou Enlai, would certainly have uh, responded to the problems of of the peace with great, it seems to me, intellectual nimbleness uh, and a kind of personal experience which would have been uh, of some significance. Yes, sir. Down in front,
0: please. Well, we're recording
1: it, uh, so it's good to see. Thank you for uh, coming here uh, this evening, Dr. Lewis. Uh, would you care to comment on Wilkie's relationship and friendship with the NAACP chairman of the time, Walter White, and also Wilkie's progressivism on the issue of civil rights?
0: I'm really glad you asked that question because that was the next one I was getting to. Thank you.
1: Thank uh, you. Yes, I like that question as well, because it actually explains why I wrote, in part, uh, the book. Uh, Years ago, when I was researching another book, uh, it had to do with the uh, Harlem Renaissance called When Harlem is in Vogue, I came across a letter from Wendell Wilkie to Walter White, the then uh, president of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. And it said... You know, I have never enjoyed myself so much as that evening. People think that I'm depressed because my own party has turned against me. No, I'm not, Uh, but you understand uh, what I stood for, and uh, I hope we can get together again. And uh, yes, we are going to finish writing that book that you and I are going to write together about race in America. And I thought, what an extraordinary exchange and I put it aside. Now the letter can't be found now at the Library of Congress for some reason, nor at the Beinecke, but I did see it, I did take notes of it, uh, and I thought, hmm. Um, So that as I finished the book, uh, I wanted to address that special relationship that I then was able to document between the two men. Uh, And it was both uh, an ego match. They both had titanic uh, egos, White and Wendell. Uh, They uh, both were charismatic. Um, uh, It is true though that Wendell uh, saw the demographic aspect of a kind of civil rights agenda for the Republican Party Uh, that would not reverse the 1936 uh, migration of uh, most African Americans into the Democratic Party, uh, but would, in fact, capture uh, the leadership class uh, of of African America. Uh, Because uh, although uh, there was much to celebrate in the way of the New Deal, uh, much of it Uh, was not beneficial to African-Americans because of the South's role in controlling the legislation and the exclusion of Social Security from African-Americans and the Wagner Act and various other things and so uh, those people with uh, some education, some professional um, uh, sustenance uh, and the newspapers speaking to those people uh, were quite alienated from uh, the New Deal Uh, And it was Wendell Wilkie who began to verbalize uh, a position of justice, of affirmative action, of appointment of the first Supreme Court Justice Black to his court if he won, uh, that uh, was very much uh, part of the the, the energy uh, of that uh, relationship between the two. And finally, the most extraordinary moment, I think, in that relationship in its earnest was that uh, 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 Wendell Wilkie addressed uh, nationally on the three networks uh, in uh, 1943. Uh, the, uh, 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 the the nation uh, uh, as he spoke to the national conference of the NAACP. Uh, this was the first time a leader or titular leader of a political party uh, had done so and in doing so uh, he talked about uh, the American version of imperialism which he said was racism uh, and spoke really with a a conviction uh, that was quite remarkable and of course Later, uh, Harry Truman, uh, again with um, (coughs) Walter White by his side, uh, would uh, amplify uh, that role. But that was an unprecedented thing. It both was a performance act for votes, but at the same time, I think it represented the idealism uh, and political pragmatism of a Wendell Wilkie.
0: But even as a young man, he was uh, eloquent in his attack on racism when he fought the KKK in Akron. He did indeed,
1: yes. That was quite a victory, and it was very useful on the Hustings to be able to say that later. Yeah,
0: that was against the grain of the, of the temp- temper of the time.
1: It was indeed. Yes, the Klan, as we know from a quite quite uh, useful new book, uh, shows that the Ku Klux Klan, the second Klan, had uh, uh, cleaned itself up. Uh, and uh, had, uh, having uh, defeated African-Americans, uh, uh, proceeded to attack uh, uh, Jews and Catholics, uh, but with uh, less violence uh, and in the Midwest and in an in in Ohio and places like that, and indeed in Indiana, Wilkie's own, own, uh, own state, uh, it flourished uh, alarmingly. Yeah,
0: but he was constantly in opposition to it. Indeed. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, next question. Forgive my uh, slight ignorance, but I hadn't heard anything on to the contrary. Um, was Wendell Wilkie ever elected or appointed to any public office in his career? And if he wasn't, how did he manage to meet Chiang Kai-shek and Stalin and all these other foreign leaders with such with – the weight? apparently the weight of America behind him, it seem, would seem.
1: Well, the answer to the first is no. He had never held an elective office. Uh, in that w- regard, of course, he uh, mirrors or anticipates our incumbent uh, businessman. Uh, he, um, uh, a- a- and as to uh, the-, the mission around the world, uh, <clears throat> he proposed this to FDR. Uh, he thought that uh, by knowing firsthand the people and the places that America was going to have to deal with when the assumption of victory uh, was fulfilled was absolutely, uh, absolutely important to do so. Uh, now his party said, look, uh, you're, you're going to be out of the country as the midterm elections approach. Uh, this is a waste of uh, political opportunity. Uh, you could have thought so, but he arrived in time uh with an radio address to the nation the largest ever uh, in terms of volume uh, of his listeners and then uh, the remarkable book so that when the election of the november elections uh, happened the republican party enormously benefited from the perception that he was speaking for the heart and soul of his party which he was not which he could not, because the heart and soul of the party was, as today, uh, quite different in terms of, uh, not internationalism, it's quite internationalist, but in terms of its, uh, its uh, abidance of a social contract that uh, is uh, positive and promising.
0: That was my conversation at the New York Public Library with David Levering Lewis. Author of the new book, The Improbable Wendell Wilkie, the businessman who saved the Republican Party and his country and conceived a new world order. Lapham's Quarterly brings voices from the past up to the microphone of the present. Save more than 30% off the cover price and subscribe today for only $49 visit laphamsquarterly.org slash podcast for more details.